This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name is Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them, this podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 18, Cash is King, for starters. Well, that week off lasted a little longer than I expected. Turns out I came down with COVID right at the end of that week. Then life happened for a while, which kept me away from the microphone. But at long last, I'm back to full strength and anxious to get back to the important work we're doing. This week, we'll begin a series of about a dozen episodes or so, all about how to make immediate philanthropic gifts. Obviously, every gift you make is immediate in the sense that you're the one making the gift right now. But what I mean is, gifts where you give the asset right now to fund the charity's current needs. Further down the line, we'll talk about gifts that benefit your charity of choice at later times, but for right now, we're going to stick with immediate impact gifts. So the topic of today's episode is that most immediate of gifts, cash. Cash gifts are the lifeblood of countless charities, particularly for small nonprofits. And by the way, that's the majority of nonprofits. Cash gifts are far and away the largest part of the budget that keeps the lights on and keeps the services going out into their communities. As charities grow in size, and particularly if they build an endowment, other funding sources can and will supplement regular cash support. But those regular cash gifts will always play an important and quite possibly existential role in funding the charity's work. But you probably already knew that. If you're philanthropically minded, then you're almost certainly already making cash gifts to charities, and that's great. When you respond to a mail appeal with a check, when you attend a benefit dinner and drop a check in the basket, when you go to church and drop a 20 in the plate, those are all cash gifts that are crucial to public support of philanthropy. But since you already know that, I'm not going to dwell on it much. Instead, what I'm going to focus on is how those cash gifts fit into the U.S. tax code and how you can make your dollar stretch as far as possible. And by the way, when I say cash, that also includes checks and credit card payments. Those are just cash by other names for our purposes here. The primary tax issue here is the charitable deduction, how to benefit from it, and how to substantiate it. If you need a refresher on how the charitable deduction works, go back to episodes 8, 9, and 10. But just as a quick recap, the tax code allows every taxpayer, or taxpayer couple, to automatically deduct a standard amount from his, her, or their income before the tax due is calculated. But if the taxpayer's itemized deductions exceed that standard deduction, then the taxpayers can take the itemized deduction instead and reduce their tax due. Charitable gifts are one of those itemized deductions. So if your charitable gifts push you over the standard deduction, then you get an immediate tax benefit from your charitable giving. With that in mind, how does your $250 annual gift to the local food bank help you on your taxes? In a lot of cases, the answer is, it really won't. For 2022, the standard deduction for a married couple is $25,900. It would take a lot of $250 gifts to push itemized deductions over that line. So in many situations, there isn't currently much of a tax benefit to making small gifts. But that's okay. The tax deduction isn't really the reason we give in the first place and the standard deduction was raised substantially several years ago, so most people actually get a larger deduction today, even without itemized deductions, than they did a few years ago. However, even though taxes aren't the reason we give, we're sure not averse to getting a little extra advantage where we can. 
And one way to do that with cash gifts is something often referred to as bunching. It's a pretty simple idea, but it can make a big difference. Put simply, bunching is just the idea that you can take a couple of years of your intended giving and bunch it into one year in order to get that larger deduction for that one year. Let me explain. Imagine your charitable budget every year is $10,000. That's total for the year, not per charity. By the way, I realize that we just made a hell of a jump from a $250 annual gift to a $10,000 annual giving budget. But as you'll see, bunching only really works when the numbers start to get a bit bigger. But anyway, in addition to your $10,000 annual charitable budget, imagine that you pay another $10,000 in mortgage interest every year. In that scenario, your total itemized deductions are $20,000. That's below the standard deduction. So you just go ahead and take that standard deduction every year. No problem. But now imagine if you pulled next year's giving into this year's. Now your charitable giving is $20,000 for this year, not ten. All of a sudden, your itemized deductions for this year are $30,000, which exceeds the standard deduction. So this year, you get to take a larger deduction, and then next year, you get the standard deduction again. That's what you would have done anyway, so the only change is that you save some tax money this year, while next year stayed the same. That's bunching, and it can be a neat way to get some extra tax benefit from your cash giving. Obviously, there are a couple of caveats to this strategy. First, you have to be comfortable doubling your gifts one year and then giving nothing the next year. If your charity is small, you might want to coordinate with the charity's budget to make sure they're ready for that. Second, you have to be in a position where you have the extra cash lying around to give in the first place. But if you have both of those bases covered, then bunching may be a good option for you. There are a couple of other philanthropic tools that can be paired really nicely with a bunching strategy, but we'll save those for later. Those other tools are the reason that the title of this episode includes for starters, there are good tools for integrating cash giving more completely into your overall financial plan in better ways. But for now, just note that bunching cash gifts can help save some tax money. There's one more issue we need to cover, and it's pretty unique to cash giving. In order to qualify for the charitable deduction, you have to have a receipt for your gift. Standard IRS rules here. Go back to episode 10 if this doesn't ring a bell. In the great majority of cases, this is not a problem. You send a check into a charity and the charity mails back an acknowledgement. You pay your pledge over the phone with a credit card, you get a receipt, you're all set. But where this can be an issue is when you give actual cash, as in the greenbacks in your wallet. When you put a few dollars in the plate at church, it can be awfully difficult to get the necessary acknowledgement for taxes, most obviously because the church has no idea who put the cash in there. And when I say awfully difficult, I mean basically impossible. When you make gifts with actual cash, you almost never receive sufficient documentation to qualify your gift for the charitable deduction. Some taxpayers think they can take the deduction even without the documentation from the charity, but that's a dangerous road to take. If you get audited, those gifts will be disallowed for lack of substantiation. For small givers who really aren't anticipating any interaction with the itemized deduction, this is probably not an issue. But if you're a donor who is in the maybe zone, i.e. you might have an opportunity at some point to itemize your deductions, then you almost certainly want to use your checkbook or a credit card to make your gifts. This will make sure that you always have the required documentation so you can take the itemized deduction when and if you qualify. As I record this in July of 2022, U.S. inflation is monstrously high. And that means all of us are struggling to keep our checkbooks balanced. But bear in mind that charities are impacted just the same and the needs they're meeting aren't going away. So if you can, please be sure to keep supporting these critical institutions in your communities 
and certainly bear in mind that your regular cash gifts are crucial to their success. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating and review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes, and you can follow me on Twitter where I am at Ross Plan. Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 18. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll talk about maximizing your tax advantage by making current gifts of appreciated securities rather than cash. Until then, remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.